1: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience kicking off a brand new series today for fantasy football 2020 player profiles we're going to be talking about one player and then we're going to be talking about the next player then the next player all in order you want to figure out which player you want to hear about hit the description of this video or podcast you can find the time code up here this is part 1 today we are going through running backs we're going to go in order of ADP discuss last season discuss projecting this season and if that ADP is right or wrong for this episode if you smash the like button and in the comment section leave which running back that we've talked about on the show whose ADP is out of whack to you too high too low Whatever it might be, you tell me who that is along with your DraftKings handle, you're in a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars. You want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars? Who wouldn't, right? All you need to do is subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star review and something you enjoy about, get this, the Pat Mayo Experience. It's that easy. You'll be in a draw for 100 DK bucks. We're going to have a bunch of these shows coming out over the course of the next month, so we might as well get started. Two of my faves on the line right now to bounce us all back and forth with first from theathletic.com. No, not Jake Seely, My
2: guy, Chris
1: Meany, who's like literally half a mile away from me, but
2: we got to be at home. Yeah, we do. Yeah, man. Um, thanks for having me on. It's been a while since, you know, you and I chatting back and forth, but it's been a while since I've done a show with you. So it's nice to, to join you. And yeah, crazy times, man, for sure. You're, you're literally a mile away from me where we would be in person to do this show, but I'm happy to join you here today from home.
1: Well, that does allow us to have a third guest on the line. And if you are watching this on June 1st or after June 1st, do I have good news for you? Because the fantasy football black book will have been released. Joe Pizapia, on the line. What's up?
0: Oh, it's good to be back, Mr. Mayo. I can't believe just a, just a half mile away. I mean, can't you get on the bicycle and sneak in the back door to Pat Mayo's house and hang out and do the show? I mean, that's what I would do. And by the way, I think it's great that we didn't invite Jake to this party now it's going to be fun now we can all drink and curse and have a good time we can
1: (laughs) we can drink we can curse and allow other people to say you know i was the first one to say this but
0: (laughs) (laughs) i will do my best pat mayo to fill that bill for you
1: all right well let's jump right into this let's kick it off the number one overall adp and number one running back adp it should be no surprise christian mccaffrey is the top player being drafted in fantasy football drafts this season and i have no real case against him if anything you could almost make the argument meaning that even though he had 287 attempts last year he had 242 targets 116 receptions with this defense i know they've restacked up the defensive line this defense is not going to be good everyone else in the division basically improved on offense that they're going to be playing catch up a lot And when you got checked down teddy under center now that he could actually improve from last year (laughs)
2: Yeah, which is crazy to think about. You're dead on. Uh, you know, from the betting standpoint, when every time Carolina plays, probably going to be picking the over quite a bit. To your point, the defense is is not going to be good this year. They're going to be playing from behind. And just looking at the, the handful of games that Teddy Bridgewater played last year with the Saints, there was a lot of checkdowns to not only Alvin Kamara, but Latavius Murray. Murray had a couple games where he had six or seven targets, five grabs out of the backfield. So, yeah, there's not really much to say about CMC. 403 touches is... is is crazy to think about but it's a number that he could probably get there again
1: yeah they just gave him this big contract joe so presumably they're you'd think they want to scale back on their high money man but like do we does anyone expect carolina to be good
0: uh well i don't know if they'll be bad but i think they'll be middling at best i think that's kind of where they are right now uh they did draft seven guys on the defense side of the football in the draft so clearly they feel like offense isn't a problem and because they did sign McCaffrey to this contract i think you have to believe that they are going to Ride with Christian McCaffrey all the way here because they're paying him for that. Uh, we all look a couple of years ago and Todd Gurley, everybody said, Oh, and he couldn't possibly repeat that monstrous season. And then he did. And then Christian McCaffrey said, Oh, I couldn't possibly repeat that monster season. And then he did. So I'm looking right now that McCaffrey is going to be somewhere close to here. But I think when you look at these overall numbers, this is definitely the peak. I mean, it's not going to get better than this, I don't think. But can he come close to this again? I think he can, the way the offense is set up. I will say this, though. Uh, Not that Robbie Anderson is super important, but it will be useful to at least be able to throw or pretend that you're going to throw the ball downfield to somebody else because DJ is terrific. I love DJ more, but having some sort of deep threat to just stretch that offense just a little bit, I think will be useful. Not that Teddy B has the greatest arm in the world, but at least having the threat there and present, I think is good for McCaffrey.
1: McCaffrey, you can make the case that Lamar Jackson was the most valuable player in fantasy leagues last season, but you could also make the case that it was McCaffrey because he scored nine points per game in PPR scoring, meaning over the next closest running back, who was Dalvin Cook. Nine per game. So even if you re- just say, hey, that season is far too difficult. Now, injuries can always throw a big loop into this. That. You can't just go in projecting like, oh, well, I think he's only going to play eight games. So you shouldn't take him like that argument doesn't make any sense. He's going to go into the season healthy. And if he goes into it healthy and he puts up 80% of those numbers, he's probably still the number one pick, isn't he?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's for sure the number one pick in my opinion. And he's just, he's just safe. I mean, the offense is going to go completely through him. We look at, you know, we're obviously splitting hairs here at the top, but we look at some of the running backs that go off the board early and, You know, you want a running back that's going to be on the field all the time. And basically, he's playing 100% of the snaps. He's the goal line guy. He's catching all the balls out of the backfield. You look at the games, it's one, two, three, four, five, six games where he had at least 10 catches there was even more games than that where he had at least 10 targets so the offense is compl- and Joe brings up a good point I mean, Robbie Anderson you want to be able to stretch the field but they didn't really have strong quarterback play last year from Kyle Allen he came in and he looked good early but he cooled off in a hurry and CMC was still able to have productive games knowing the defense is going to be focused on trying to slow him down, and they still weren't able to do so. And despite those turnovers. Yeah, all those turnovers are great. What was his two bad games against Tampa Bay? They were really strong against the run, and he was still able to do damage through the air and find the end zone through the receiving game.
1: And I think you're going to see that a lot more this year, too, because if just with the three offenses in that division, the defense not being very good, it could be catch-up mode a lot, and you'd think, oh, that's going to hurt your running back. But we know that he's a focal point of this passing game, regardless of game script, that even if you siphon away a little a bit of his work on the ground, touches, yardage, he could potentially replicate over 100 catches again. If that's going to be the case, then you know it's not like Reggie Bonafon is coming in to steal his carries. <laughs> Miss Scarlett can hang out. She's you know, Miss Scarlett on the bench with the revolver is fine. Not going to be on the field all that much. Like I'm not too concerned about any of this. Joe, is there any argument you can make to say that someone else is the number one pick?
0: Uh, look, if you're risk adverse in terms of injury, I would imagine that Michael Thomas might be for you because I can understand that. Uh, but just to put him and, you know, just because wide receiver, you know, he's super consistent, super high floor, super high ceiling every week. So all of those things come true. But you want to really put perspective. This is the RPV last year for Christian McCaffrey. Now, again, RPV for RB ones. So this is comparing him to the top 12 other running backs at the position last year in a sample of 12. He was a plus 63%. That means he was 63% better than the fantasy league average RB1. The next guy, Aaron Jones in PPR scoring was plus nine. The drop-off is 63 to nine. I've never seen anything like that. I've been doing the black book for over 10 years now. I've never even heard of a drop-off like that. And yeah, if Saquon comes back as a healthy season, maybe that'll you know start to divide up a little bit, but that is the divide between McCaffrey and everybody else right now.
1: So when we continue to go down the ADPs, and obviously ADPs are really early, the majority of real drafts will not be done for another two months, but this is a good way to figure out where people's mindsets are at right now. Saquon Barkley is not only the second running back being drafted on the board, he is the second overall player being drafted on the board. Went number one in a lot of leagues last year over Christian McCaffrey in this spot after Ezekiel Elliott started his holdout. Then all of a sudden it was, hey, who do you take at number one? It was basically a coin flip between those two. If it landed on tails and you picked Saquon Barkley, you got fucked. Uh, You could have had Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) Didn't turn out well for your fantasy season. So, Joe, are you convinced that Barkley should be the number two? Do high ankle concerns, again, worry you whatsoever? Does this offense worry you? Because Eli Manning was far more likely to check down to Barkley than Daniel Jones was. But maybe that changes over the course of an offseason. I'm not sure. Where do you see Barkley's season playing out? And Do you think he's closer to McCaffrey or closer to the rest of the running backs after him?
0: I think he's closer to McCaffrey and uh, I think you take last year and unfortunately did not work out the way you wanted to. If you want to make again, the safe pivot and say, well, Ezekiel Elliott's a little safer. Okay. I get that, but I want to win a league. And I think Saquon Barkley is a league winner. I think you look at what he's been able to do in his short career and how good he's been. I think you take last year and you realize, okay, the giants went in there. They did a lot of work in the draft and the offensive line. I think that's going to help a lot too, fill more of those holes. And look, Daniel Jones is a little bit more athletic himself. So I think being able to move around the pocket creates some more offense potentially for Saquon Barkley. So I am very much in Saquon is a very strong number two. Uh, I still see the upside there. Eli being gone and pushed away. I think we're going to make nice transition here uh, for Saquon Barkley. And as far as I'm concerned, we really even haven't seen the best of him yet. And his rookie season was absolutely dazzling. So I don't want to have short-term memory loss about good. He was in year one. Cause he was that damn good.
1: Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think that the end of the season can really like really reinvigorated the hype behind Barkley? Cause you, know, you look at eight overall touchdowns, six on the ground, two through the air, overall throughout the course of the season obviously he was injured for a lot of that but four on the ground over the last three games one through the air in that time the targets were four four and five over those last three games that's the only I think that's the big differentiator between Barkley and McCaffrey is that you can essentially pencil in Christian McCaffrey for at least 125 targets receptions you know they're high percentage targets so he probably catches 95 percent of them 90 percent of them just Barkley's not gonna have the ability to pile up volume through the air and save his ass on weeks where maybe he has a bad game on the ground. Maybe he doesn't find the end zone. Like, is he really going to be LT and score 32 touchdowns? No, he's not, but he's someone who could definitely challenge 20. Couldn't he?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. To, to Joe's point, the giants did address the offensive line through the draft. I think two of their first three picks were offensive linemen just to try to help out the the line there and Daniel Jones and Barkley. Yeah. You know, I think what's encouraging about Saquon is how he finished. To your point, Pat, is yeah, not only did he have those touchdowns in the last three games. I mean, this was a guy who, who didn't have twenty touches, twenty carries on the ground until the final couple weeks of the season. I mean, he just wasn't getting that same workload, even through the air, three or four grabs. It's, like he just wasn't on pace to get the 90 catches that he had with Eli Manning dumping it off. But the last three games, 24 for 112, 22 for 189, 17 for 92. So he really showed that he was healthy and he bounced back. And really, I mean, he's just a freak of an athlete. Anybody else who gets that high ankle sprain is, is at least out four to six weeks. This guy wanted to get back in the lineup next week. So I, I have no concerns with Saquon. My only concern, and I'll be honest, I mean, Zeke is my number two. And it's just because – of the offenses. I'm, I don't fully buy into the giants offense. It's not to say that I'm going to fade Zeke if I, or Saquon, and I don't want him. If he's there at three, I'm obviously going to take him, but the giants are not going to be a great offense. They're going to be better, but there's not going to be a top 15 offense. And I want to be linked to Zeke who could actually get those 20 touchdowns that you talk about. Again, it's just splitting hairs. He's not going to have as many catches as Saquon, but I mean, it's just, there's a little bit of a stink when I, when it comes to the giants offense for me.
1: Well, do you think that so obviously you think that Barkley and Elliot are somewhat in, interchangeable as the 2 3 option? Like is that your tier yes. it's it's McCaffrey, those two then it's the rest?
2: Yes. Uh I think you know you could make a case for Dalvin Cook in there as well, but I think the the upside is is much higher with Saquon and Joe's right. We and it is scary. We haven't seen the best of Saquon again, like I'm not trying to contradict myself here, but we, we really haven't. And I honestly just don't think we've even seen the best from, from Zeke in, in an offense that's probably going to be top two, top three in the league this year. So that those two, I think belong in a tier amongst themselves.
1: Well, in terms of actual ADP, looking at it overall, McCaffrey one, Barkley two, Michael Thomas is going as the number three overall pick. The number three running back and number four overall pick right now is actually Alvin Kamara, mania, not Ezekiel yeah. Elliott.
2: Yeah, that's crazy to me. I, I, I mean, I don't see it. I don't. Like Zeke is just, everyone complained about Zeke last year and why? I mean, he had over 300 carries again, 1,300 yards, found the end zone 14 times. He's had at least 1,300 yards in four of, as three of his four seasons, the one year in 2017, he only played 10 games. And he was 17 yards shy of 1,000. He's extremely safe. And Kamara had some disappointing games last season. He wasn't able to, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to get 20 carries. He's going to do a lot of his damage through the air. And... He regressed uh, last season for sure. Zeke has just been—he's been pretty safe. Uh, his first, his first four years in the league.
1: Yeah, uh, Joe, where do you weigh in on Zeke versus Kamara? Because a lot like Barkley Kamara disappointed everyone until it didn't matter. Scoring four touchdowns over his past two games, but didn't crack over a hundred on the ground all season. Now, obviously, he's going to be a combo guy. It's sort of like McCaffrey light, but really without that dependency of touchdowns that you kind of get now a lot of people are talking positive regression everything he did on the ground last year pointed to far more touchdowns than he actually scored five on the ground four of those coming in the last two games of the season that mm-hmm. if you just run that season all over again he probably has like 12 touchdowns or something like that now that could be true or maybe this is just the way the saints want to use them
0: well, everybody just thought it was going to be automatic addition by subtraction last year just because Mark Ingram was gone. But what people failed to realize is that Mark Ingram's presence allowed Kamara to be as good as he was. You know, when you have somebody who's more of a grinding running back who's going to go and run between the tackles and do what Mark Ingram did, it makes Alvin Kamara's job a lot easier when he comes in on third down to be able to basically run amok. The Saints didn't have that last year. I mean, just flat out did not. And I am with Chris here. I mean, however you want to go with, you know, the argument between Elliot and Saquon, okay, that's fun. We could do that. One's a little safer. I think one has a higher ceiling. And I think the Cowboys have more options than Zeke has ever had before, you know, and I think Dax. Dak moving up and progressing as a passer really has put you in a different spot here where he doesn't have to rely on Zeke as much, but Zeke's going to get his. Kamara, this is one that I think is a huge enigma. And I think even though you're saying he could be around three as high, I think it could be as low as 10 in a draft. I think it's going to be such a variance draft to draft on people looking at Alvin Kamara because they're going to look at the Henrys and Cooks and other running backs and other wide receivers like DeAndre Hopkins. And they're going to look and say, Do I want to take the risk of what Alvin Kamara is? I understand the reward could be huge, but there's still a question mark there. And that's, that's what I'm trying to wrap my mind around. I don't like question marks with first round picks. So for me, Kamara is not a guy that I'd be targeting around there. If I was at four and he was still there, I would strongly consider somebody else. And I know that's probably a little bit more opinionated than most other people will be on Kamara, but I think he has the biggest potential variance in the first round than any other guy who is a top five overall potential talent. So when
1: I look at this and I think about drafting running backs and just whether it's, you know, first overall, there's just different tiers of how much they're going to touch the ball. What is their role? Are they a three-down back? Are they the receiving back? Are they the goal line back? And the guys that you get at the very top end of drafts do all of that. And that's what... Kamara does. Sorry, that's what Kamara does not do, as opposed to Elliott, Barkley, and McCaffrey, and even some other guys on this list. I think that we get enamored with, as kind of meaning said, that the reason that he would go Elliott over Barkley is that he trusts in this Cowboys offense that it's going to be good. That's one of the reasons to invest in Kamara is that the Saints play indoors, they play generally in division against weaker defenses. It's a high-powered offense. It's a good system to be in. You know the saints are going to score points. The one thing is drew Brees is a communist. He just wants to spread the ball around to whoever (laughs) equal opportunity in that offense. If you're open, hell, you're getting the ball. It's not like with the giants where, well, we're third and one, three tries for Barkley. And if we don't get it, we're kicking a field goal. Like that's, It's not optimal from a real-life football perspective, but for fantasy, like, I want to bank on that guy. He's going to get the ball. I never know with Kamara. That becomes the problem. So Zeke is the fourth guy coming off the board at running back, but down to number seven overall, and he's gone as low as 12 and as high as one. So there's two running backs uh, inside the top 10, at least in terms of ADP, that just have these huge wide ranges of where they're being drafted. I think I, too, would have Ezekiel Elliott at number three. I think I would go with Barkley because I like that upside. And the one thing you have to remember about the Cowboys' offense meaning, is that it needs to be super efficient for everyone to get paid. Someone's going to yeah. get left out from time to time.
2: No, absolutely. You're you're dead on there. There's a lot of options for, for Dak. And, again, just to hammer home the point of just – goal linebacks and red zone rushing attempts and Zeke 59 red zone rushing attempts last year is number one in the league. 77% of the team's rushing attempts in inside the red zone went to Zeke Camara 26 and 37%. Lamar Jackson had as many red zone rushing attempts as Alvin Kamara. So that just hammers that point home again, but yeah, and there's a lot of options for, for Dak uh, with Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper there. And everyone wants to talk about Blake Jarwin taking the next step as well. So, yeah, I mean, there may not be a lot of games where Zeke has 20 plus carries. There were none last year where Alvin Kamara had that uh, 20 plus carries. So, Again, we're splitting hairs between these between these studs, but Dallas is an offense that I think is going to score about 30 points a game, so I think Zeke will get his no matter what, even if he just get, has those 15 carry games.
1: Yeah, so looking at it right now, Joe, the leaders in rushes inside the five-yard line from a year ago. McCaffrey, Mixon, Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Ingram, David Montgomery. How did that turn out for you, David
0: Montgomery? Aaron
1: Jones, Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Sonny Michelle, Frank Gore, uh, Derek Henry. You'd have to scroll a while to get down to Elvin Kamari. He only had seven inside the five converted on fewer than 50% of those attempts.
0: And is that going to change this year? No, I don't think it will. And you're right. Drew Brees also does like to spread the ball around. Drew Brees is going to play quarterback. He's not going to play favorites. That's the difference between him and a lot of other quarterbacks out there. And the other thing to realize too, about that saints offense, as great as it is at home, it's a little bit more pedestrian on the road. It is not a great traveling show. You go look at the last three years of Drew Brees, Is a guy averaging around 200 yards per game on the road. That's a significant difference, almost like an 80 to 90-yard difference in terms of offensively what they're producing. So eight games out of the year, that's going to hurt Alvin Kamara a little bit overall. But I just – I cannot get there. I think you make a great point, too, is like who's the focal point? Who's the guy? He's not the best offensive player on his team. Uh, That's still Michael Thomas. So for me, I I just – I can't get there right there with Alvin Kamara. I would rather take a big-time wide receiver if he was on the board in the top five.
1: So in terms of Elliott, do you think that Elliott goes, Joe, over the Michael Thomases and potentially when we do the receiver show? I was pretty surprised to see DeAndre Hopkins is going as the number two receiver overall. Like, I think for me at receiver, and I haven't finalized my rankings yet and done all of the research. That's why talking to you guys is super helpful. That I think I can make a case that Devontae Adams could be above Michael Thomas. I don't know if I will make that case, but I think they're pretty clear number one and two.
0: Uh, I still go with Thomas uh, just because of the consistency there. Not that Devontae Adams isn't consistent, but Aaron Rodgers, I think we're, you know, he's just not, it's not the same offense. The Packer offense that was a couple of years ago is not. And we've seen that pivot a little bit more to Aaron Jones. And look, let's not forget Aaron Jones was the number two PPR running back last year in scoring. So that holds a lot there you know, in terms of where that offense is getting funneled through. So there's a little bit of a concern there for Devontae Adams. Uh, I could make an argument for Julio as the number two (laughs) behind behind Michael Thomas. But I think you can have that argument with those four guys. Any of those four guys are really good. And I think I believe in any of those four wide receivers – over Alvin Kamara from a consistency standpoint, from a track record standpoint, and what their roles are in their respective offenses.
1: What about Ezekiel Elliott? Does Elliott go above those guys?
0: In my opinion, he does, because I would like to get – I think that's where the drop-off is. You know, you ask, okay, where's the drop-off at running back? Is it McCaffrey and everybody else? I think it's McCaffrey, and then there's a small drop-off to Saquon. Really almost no drop-off to Ezekiel Elliott because of the high floor and the consistency of you know what you're getting. Plus, he's really improved. And we have to give him credit in the receiving game. He's really stepped up his game there. And then there's the drop-off. That's where the tier tells you, and that's where RPV in the Black Book tells you was a significant drop-off.
1: So, Meanie, next up at running back, PPR formats, fifth running back currently being drafted, number 10 overall. This one surprised me. Nick Chubb.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like Nick Chubb. And when you dive into some of his numbers, it is a little surprising. There's only three backs, and all of football that had 290 plus carries it's Henry Elliott and Chubb and again taking a look at just running backs who touched the ball inside the red zone 50 red zone rushing attempts you were talking about running backs who touch the ball inside the 10 15 attempts for him that was number three and he just he checks off a lot of boxes I mean yards per carry uh, off the charts for him as well and I Stefanski they bring him in they're going to probably want to run uh, a run heavy offense, even though there is Austin Hooper there and Jarvis Landry and Oda Beckham Jr. And, and Joku he's still on the roster whatever happens there. But I still, I feel like bringing in Stefanski, they're going to want to run the football. The one thing, and I suppose while you're surprised about this and it, it's a I mean, good reason to be surprised about it is, Kareem hunt still on the team and mm. towards the end of last year Kareem hunt was starting to kind of cut into the catches that chubb had in the first few weeks of the season right chubb was getting about three or four catches a game that was nice he was that true bell cow back that was going to touch the ball at least 20 times and then they struggled inside the red zone and cream hunt was starting to get a few touches get a few catches out of the backfield so that is the concern I am a little wary of of drafting him as the fourth back off the board, fifth back off the board, but I think, I think he's a stud. Uh, It's just how much do you think uh, Kareem Hunt is going to be hanging around? And I think he's probably going to, I think he deserves at least five to seven touches a game, and that's going to hurt Chubb.
1: And a lot of those are going to be through the air, either split out, maybe they play some two running back backfields. But if the Kareem Hunt thing is the one that really scares me off here, Joe, especially trying to draft Nick Chubb this highly. Like last year, he was 11th in fantasy points per game with 16 per game in PPR scoring. That went down when Kareem Hunt, showed back up on the scene in week 11 but when you start looking at it it's very pronounced and just like just by looking at the game logs you can see where the impact was made one of the saving graces that I I mean I talked about this with McCaffrey with Barkley what differentiates those guys is that if you have a receiving floor especially for PPR scoring you can get by on weeks where everything doesn't go right on the ground and maybe the Browns are equally as bad as they were last year they're trailing in a lot of games and all of a sudden they have to pass the entire time that would lead me to believe that Nick Chubb's probably not going to be on the the field a whole bunch because when at the beginning of the year when you looked at it like weeks one through eight you know four four seven four six five mm-hmm. four targets per game that's great when hunt comes back one three two one three one two like yeah you're gonna backdoor your way into a few dump offs if you just happen to be on the field everyone's covered downfield i ah, just dump it off to nick chubb like they're not running designed routes for him he's not a part of their passing game maybe that changes with stefanski Maybe. And they have upgraded their offensive line and we know the damage he can do on the ground. I get why he's considered amongst some of the best running backs, but I could probably take five running backs before I would take Nick Chubb at number
0: five. Uh, you and me both. You basically just made the argument for me. The second half of the year, or should I say the last third of the season, Kareem Hunt's presence really did change the target volume. And we're talking about, look, if it's DFS, if it's season long, it doesn't matter. We're talking about volume. Where's the volume going? I mean, you look at a guy like Derrick Henry, right? Who's getting all the volume guys who carry the ball 20 plus times. are such a dying breed in this league. And then there's Derrick Henry who nobody seems to want to respect and Nick Chubb granted. He's, he's a very good back Had a really good first eight, 10 games of the season, but Kareem hunt, you can argue is the more athletic and the more exciting back of the two of them. So that's where I really struggle. I'm concerned that a full offseason, I'm going to go take it a step further. You ready for this boys and girls? What if Kareem Hunt is even more in game, in this offense? What if he is more of a, of a piece for Stefanski? What if he's looking at this, oh, my God, we can make a two-headed monster here. Yeah, it's going to probably hurt Nick Chubb's value, but it's going to really help Kareem Hunt because he's going to go way later in drafts. I think you can make an argument that Kareem Hunt is a better ROI in drafts as a flex position guy later on than Nick Chubb is as a first-round pick. I just – I don't see the reason to take Chubb over some other guys like Mixon and like Derrick Henry.
1: And and I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of value. What is the value of Nick Chubb? And at this point you've bought all the value, like things have to break right for him in order to pay this back. You're paying like, what's the upside for Nick Chubb? If you draft him at wide reserve running back number five, that he could be number three. Great. That's fantastic. But if he's not number five, he's probably not number seven either. He's probably like number 15 or something like that that you could have just waited two rounds and got the exactly the same production from your running back spot or chris do what joe said and just take kareem hunt later like that seems like more appealing as an option to me than just drafting nick chubb in the first round
2: yeah absolutely and i mean nick chubb i mean he's what six yards away from 1500 second i mean in the league last year rushing yards he had a great season but yeah, Joe, Joe's right. I mean, Kareem Hunt could take over. He's a great back, too. It's just a couple years removed in the Kansas City offense of being an absolute stud that year. It's too bad that these guys are on the same team because if they were just on other teams, they would be bell cow backs. And we'd be talking about both of these guys being 20 touchbacks every single game. So, yeah, I mean, you rattled off some Nick Chubb numbers as catches. I mean, they, on the other end with Kareem Hunt, seven grabs, six, five, eight, four so he's absolutely going to be a player in this offense on, you know, third down rolls, or if he comes in, like you said earlier too, I mean, there were a couple of times when they used both of those backs on the field. So it's, it's going to be a sticky situation and yeah, Hunt is a lot cheaper than Chubb.
1: Yeah. And like I mentioned that if you take him at the spot, number nine or number 10, overall fifth running back off the board, you need everything to go right. And I'm not saying that things can't go absolutely right. All of a sudden Kareem Hunt is marginalized and Nick Chubb is playing 80% of the snaps. He's getting more catches. That's awesome. But you've already paid for that. And that's not especially what you want to be doing in fantasy football drafts. If he starts sliding down the board, because I don't think that this is going to be an uncommon sentiment amongst people who talk about these running backs. And when we really start to think about it, then, yeah, all of a sudden he could become a good value. Like, if you didn't have to pick him at 10, you could pick him at 20. Well, then there is upside that could be baked into that. He could make that leap if things break, right? And then it's not such a disaster if, you know, the bottom falls out a little bit and he's only 80% of what he was. We know how good he is on the ground. We know they improved the offense. We know that they improved the offensive line, but this is still a tough division, especially defensively. And then you get to the next guy in terms of ADP, Joe Mixon, who's also in that division. And now we're talking about someone who really has no backup. He's someone who should play around 80% of the snaps. He's gonna be involved on the ground. That offense is improved. They have a brand new quarterback. And if he's going to play the receiving role, if the Bengals aren't super great, Joe maybe he can really improve from that 35 catch total 45 target like the potential to double that might be on the
0: board absolutely uh, i'm very high on joe mixon joe mixon had a very good year last year for a team that struggled at times uh, at but time. i think they had the number one overall.
1: they had the number one overall pick
0: <laughs> they did but you know what here's a fun stat there's never been a team that had the lead in as many games as the Bengals had and only won one game in a season so this was a game a team that did have a little bit more fight in them than people realized. They just couldn't finish anything. and It's because of, well, a lot of reasons. But at the end of the day, you have a fresh slate here. Moving Andy Dalton was the smartest thing you could do because I think it's very difficult for a young quarterback, even Joe Burrow, to step into a scenario where there's been the guy the last decade and change basically who's been the guy for you right and he's taken you to playoffs he hasn't won any but he's taken you and to make sure that he is not in that locker room and as Joe Burrow's team from day one is very important Mixon's going to hold out there's no doubt in my mind there's also no doubt in my mind that it would behoove them to not pay Joe Mixon and get him in camp because you don't want Joe Burrow to not have all the pieces around him to be successful and Joe Mixon is his best piece not AJ Green it's Joe Mixon so it is just crucial that he is in camp sooner than later, and they get this deal done eventually. And I'm looking at Joe Mixon as a guy who is a little bit more stable in terms of role than Nick Chubb. I mean, you took those two guys there. There's no Kareem Hunt there. You know, Gio Bernard is not Kareem Hunt, okay? So let's, like, not think about that anymore, and let's realize that Joe Mixon, another guy we have not seen the best of yet, whereas I think Nick Chubb, I think that's the peak by a far – I mean, 1,400 yards in that offense. Plus, if you think Baker Mayfield is going to make improvements year over year – then that's a whole other change, too, that you have to talk about because they relied so heavily on Chubb in so many games because Baker Mayfield looked lost right. on the field. So if there's any improvement from Baker Mayfield, that's another potential hit on Chubb. But I think Mixon really has the backfield to himself, and I think he is that guy, and I think he is one of the better all-purpose backs, and he will be more of a role in the passing game than he was in years past.
1: So we can look at this half full, half empty in terms of our glass of water here, meaty. One, Joe hit on a very key point. That Mixon may hold out. If he holds out, I am dropping him down my rankings list and probably becomes a do not draft guy for me. These holdouts, well, have been fine once they've returned uh they cause nothing but havoc to your fantasy roster because you still have to draft them so highly if all of a sudden mixon is holding out and you can get him in the ninth round or something then whatever then it's the best pick you could make but if it's going to be a situation where you have to take him like at the turn but you don't know when he's coming back like just ask anyone who drafted melvin gordon or Le'Veon yeah. bell or anyone like that you just don't want that uncertainty and that would be the downside but here's some upside to it and maybe Burrow makes this offense a little bit better because it's not like it's going from dalton to burrow like dalton barely played last year it's going from like scrubs to the number one overall picks you have to think that improves but after christian McCaffrey, joe mixon was second in the league with 16 carries inside the five yard line it's not like they turned over a coaching staff i would expect that to continue the 80 percent usage rate as a running back uh snap share that's going to continue he scored four touchdowns on 16 carries inside the five that sounds
2: like a number that's going to go up yeah, absolutely. I love Mixon. Uh, you, you bring up a good point if we're coming to draft time and he's still held out. Yeah, that's probably somebody that I, I will pass on as well. I don't like to take that kind of risk on that early in my draft. Like I'm not going to lose my league because I pass on Mixon. I could potentially lose my league if I draft Mixon and any doesn't play the first few weeks of the season. But everything that the Bengals have done recently in terms of being big-time players in free agency and improving that defense and then acquiring, obviously, getting Joe Burrow and then T. Higgins, having A.J. Green come back for one more year to prove himself, whatever he needs to do. To, he, he talks all the time about needing to prove himself to get the big money, the Julio contract. He's going to be motivated. They have Tyler Boyd in the slot. And Joe Mixon has been, I think what, you know, when Joe is talking about them being competitive, where it turned was when they started to give him the football. When I mean, you look at the first few games of the season, 11 or – 11 or fewer carries in four of his first seven games. It's 12 carries per game over the first seven games. That was nothing. It was awful. They weren't handling him the ball. They were turning it over. There was a mix there with, with Andy Dalton and whoever the heck was playing quarterback behind him. And then after the final eight games of the season, 22 carries per game, they really turned the ball over to him, giving him the keys to the offense, catching more balls into the backfield. He's one of nine backs over the past two years who has at least 2,000 yards on the ground. I think people look at the Bengals and they just say, ah, mixing that. They stink. This is not really good. Well, two years ago he led the AFC in rushing he is a really good back and to your point there's nobody that's going to take away those red zone rushing attempts absolutely no one so I think the offense is going to take a step forward you got to look at two Jonah Williams was their first round pick last season he didn't play at all for them so the offensive line is not going to be as bad as what some people make it out to be so Mixon to me it's not it's a no-brainer as long as he is there at camp and healthy and signed and Bengals get it done because you're trying to turn the corner here with your franchise, like sign your franchise running back. And, you know, you put him in there in in the offense. And, you know, I think it's – there's no question between him and Chubb, it's mixing for me
1: i mean i'm pretty out on paying your running backs like if they just want to let joe mixon walk (laughs) after this year let him walk and go get someone else but at least use him and grind him into the ground this year unless you can get him on a reasonable extension but joe the 35 catches is troubling to me and then after week four last season never had more than four targets in a game maybe the dump offs to the running back just weren't a part of this offense or maybe they just had such little faith in their quarterback to just be like just hand the ball off don't put the ball in the air. Let's just get out of this game, get out of the season and let's get the first overall pick. Like which which seems more likely to you?
0: I think the latter seems more likely to me and we're also adding in a more athletic quarterback who can get out there and make plays and uh, be more elusive. And that means that when the running back kind of floats out there in the flat on a play that gets broken down, Joe Burrow's going to find him. If you watch enough LSU football last year, you knew that he was going to find Clyde Edwards a He was going to find guys who are open wherever they were, short or long. And I think that uh, adding Joe Burrow into this offense is a great potential here for not only more opportunities in the red zone uh, for Joe mixon near the goal line but also more opportunities for this Bengals offense and chris makes a terrific point too that offensive line getting healthier is a huge addition as well and I just look at mixon and Chubb and I'm talking about those two guys and I just I can't as long as I believe mixon's going to play and as long as the holdout doesn't become a huge issue I just can't put Chubb over Mixon with Kareem Hunt looming. I mean, am I the only person who remembers how good Kareem Hunt was? Because I feel no. like it sometimes.
1: He's awesome. Do, do we do we think that was Kareem Hunt or do we think that was running back in Chiefs offense? He
0: was pretty good in college too. <laughs> Kareem Hunt was no slouch. Look, it certainly helps, but uh, look, Patrick Mahomes will make anybody better. But I think even you saw flashes last year. I mean, let's, let's take a look at Kareem Hunt in limited action. Like you guys were, like Chris was just rolling off Uh, The game log there when he came back, he was catching the ball. He was integrated in the offense. This is a guy that had no training camp, wasn't a part of the team, wasn't allowed to practice, wasn't allowed to do anything. And he basically came in week 10 and was like, okay. And he was pretty good. Imagine how good he could be with a complete Uh, offseason together I know that's a question mark with everything going on but imagine how good he could potentially be here and when you start actually making place for him and devising uh, things for him and realizing and utilizing his talents to their utmost because I don't think last year they were I don't think Freddie Kitchens is is (laughs) was really utilizing much of anything
1: when we look at how running backs are currently being drafted we talked about those Big three, Kamara's almost on an island to himself in terms of average draft position. And then we hit this tier of seven running backs. So we've done Chubb, he's number five at running back in terms of ADP. And then we go to Joe Mixon, he's number six. Following him, Joe, Josh Jacobs. And I love Josh Jacobs coming into last year. I thought he was one of the better third round picks that you could have because you project all the workload onto him. He's going to be the goal line back. But here's the thing. He doesn't catch the ball almost ever. And I thought that maybe, yeah, they get rid of DeAndre Washington. Yes, they re-signed Jalen rocket Richard, but, you know, he's not good. So all of a sudden, you have him for special teams as well. He's going to come in periodically, catch a few passes. That's going to be great. But fast forward over to the draft for Josh Jacobs. Then all of a sudden, you start scrolling down their depth chart, and you bring in Lyndon Bowden. And this is what he does is come out of the backfield and catch passes or start out in the backfield, split out to the slot, catch some passes that I don't know if we're going to see an uptick for Josh Jacobs this year in terms of overall receptions. If that's the case, he's basically lesser Nick Chubb, isn't he?
0: Uh, yeah, (laughs) I mean, I like Josh Jacobs too. I was very high on him last year. He was a great return on investment because there were a lot of people still questioning what was going to go on in that Gruden offense and how good he could potentially be. It was a very respectable rookie year for him. I I know you'd like to see him try to catch the ball a little bit more, but again, that's just maybe not his game or maybe not what they want to do with him, but seven touchdowns, 1100 yards is a heck of a rookie season. And he had dealt with some injuries as well, but here's what I don't get. If you want a running back, who doesn't catch the ball that much, but is really the offense. Why not
1: take Derrick? Henry? Where the hell is Derek Henry? Yeah.
0: Holy crap. I, I am sick to death. And Chris Menial vouched for me because we did the, the DFS pod last year together. We did our bowl predictions. And mine was, Derrick Henry's going to lead the league in rushing. And now I get to be full Jake Seeley on you and say, <laughs> look at me. I was right. 1540 yards. He is this offense. Everybody was so worried because in the end of 2018, there were a couple games he just Incredible, and there were some other mediocre games. But what Mike Rabel finally realized is hey, we can play old school football defense and just run the ball down your throat and find a quarterback like Hill to just make a couple plays here and there, and we can win football games. Not only that, we can get almost to the AFC championship game. That's potential there for the Titans. Things are not going to change. They just franchise Derrick Henry. If you want a running back here and you're looking around at what the options are, how in the world are you passing on the one guy left on this list? who is the offense there. I mean, AJ Brown's a nice player. Okay, fine. It's Derrick Henry. The Tennessee Titans are Derrick Henry. They should change their name to the Derrick Henry's. Just forget the T just put an H on the helmet. I don't care anymore. I've had it. And it, what more does this guy to do to get respect? I just don't know.
1: All right. We'll get to Derek Henry. Cause he's actually farther down on this list than you may think in terms of how people are actually, well, driving. I'm going to have an aneurysm
0: if that's the case. <laughs> I, I, I'm already, my blood pressure is about here. I'm telling you right now, it's, it's going to go higher. If I, the longer I have to wait for his name, I'm, I'm I can getting sense pissed it. off. I can sense it.
1: All right. So like, meaning what do you make of Jacobs? Like I, I like Jacobs, but I would want him as my running back too, not my running back one, which is how he's being drafted.
2: Yeah, especially in a full-point PPR setting, which we're talking about here, is just 27 targets, 20 catches. I think that Oakland is is kind of – let's see. How can I put this? I, I feel like their offense is kind of going to be similar to what Tennessee's doing. We know that John Gruden wants to run the football there. They bring in Jason Witten. There's like a third tight end. They want to run three tight end sets and run the football with Josh Jacobs. They want to pound the rock, set up the play-action pass, got Henry Ruggs who can stretch the defense. Yeah, you mentioned Lynn Bowden. Is he going to come in and probably take some catches away? Sure, absolutely. I mean, what's the ceiling here for Jacobs in terms of catches? 30? Maybe 30? He played 13 games last year. So you give him a few more games, maybe he gets up to 30. Maybe he sees fewer stack boxes. Can they run that play action? Derek Carr was second in the league in completion percentage. He had no weapons really. So you bring in some guys, Edwards, Brian Edwards, they also drafted can help out this offense as well. But I think what they want to do is pound the rock and run the football and he is the goal line guy there i do like jacobs but if you're thinking that he's going to catch more than 30 balls you're mistaken it's just not going to happen so i don't think he's going to be derrick henry like but i think the offense is going to run pretty similar where they're going to run the football he's going to get about 20 carries a game they're going to stretch the field use the play action pass with Carr and his brand new weapons Uh, waller in there as well obviously so yeah, that's the one down point, and I agree with you, Pat. I don't want him to be my RB one. And it seems like if you draft him and you want him on your team, he's going to have to be your RB one. So yeah. he's he's probably going to be a pass me in the, in the end of the first round.
1: Exactly, running back number seven, pick number twelve overall in PPR leagues. And I. Well, let's try to make this distinction right now, Joe, because I know you're really good at this, at differentiating between PPR and standard. Yes, there are certain guys that lean towards better at PPR scoring, someone like James White, for example, but you have your guys on the polar other end of that. Jacobs and Henry would be those guys, but it's not like Henry wasn't a top five PPR running back last year. Like, sometimes you're right. just exactly. good enough
0: to outperform the system. <laughs> so it was Aaron Jones, who scored a million touchdowns too. And look, you can't always count on touchdowns, but the one thing you can count on is, look at what the offense is doing. What did green Bay do last year? I mean, how many 300 yard games there and Rogers have what two, I think last year, if memory serves, I mean, they are not the same kind of high flying. Oh, it's Jordy Nelson catching on, you know, 120 yards in a the game. they're not like that anymore. They don't do that. And, and the same extent too. what are the Titans, the Titans play defense and run the football. And until you can prove, you can stop them running the football they're going to keep running the football and they basically ran their way into the playoffs. And then almost through the playoffs, they ran their way through the Baltimore freaking Ravens of all teams. Let me tell you something. (laughs) And they ran their way through the Patriots. So the two best defenses in the league, potentially right. The Ravens and, and the Patriots in the AFC, right. They ran through them. And when do we give them credit? When do we give Derrick Henry credit? If he led the league in rushing again this year, it wouldn't shock me. And it's, it's funny to me because you look at it, and points are points. Yes, it does help to have a guy who has the potential to catch the football. No doubt about it in PPR. But go back to volume. What is king in fantasy football? Volume. I don't care how he gets it. Yards are yards. If you're telling me, well, Alvin is going to have 1,500 all-purpose yards. Well, okay. Derrick Henry's going to have 1,500 rushing yards, and they're going to be the same guy. And how many touchdowns is Henry going to have? How many touchdowns is Kamara going to have? And that's the big dividing line for me, which is why I think Henry's grossly underrated in PPR coming into this year. So
1: the next running back being drafted currently is not <laughs> Derrick Henry. It is Leonard Fournette, of all people, who... <laughs> If we do the draft in August and everything remains the same, I get the case for Leonard Fournette. He scored three touchdowns last year, and he is the receiving back. He's the goal line back. He's the one who handles everything on the ground. 265 carries, 76 catches, three touchdowns. Almost like Kamara Meany, everyone's talking about how just positive regression. Like, if you get this many carries, eventually you're going to score touchdowns, but they don't pick up the fifth-year option on Fournette, which could work one of two ways. You could say, hey... There's no fifth-year option, so they're just going to run this guy into the ground. He might get even more volume this year, or he might not be on the team come September.
2: Yeah, you're right. There's <laughs> a lot of different ways that this could play out. I mean, he could get suspended. He what did he do? He he skipped practice one time and he got suspended. And that was a couple of years ago. And yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways that this can go. I feel like he's going to be a guy that touches the ball three and a plus times again. I think there's going to be some safety there, but I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he scored another three to five touchdowns. Hey, you he can have all those red zone rushing attempts all he wants, but when, you know, you have poor quarterback play and yeah, dare I say that Minshew is is not the best quarterback in the league. I mean, he's got a great stash and we have some fun with it, but he made a lot of mistakes last year. I don't think the offense is going to be all that great and, and, and teams are going to stack boxes. Even if you have DJ Chark or DD Westbrook and you draft Chenault, like there's still, I still think this team is going to have a lot of issues. I think they're going to be a bottom five team in the league, but he's i I think the 76 catches that to me may be the outlier i don't know if he's gonna that if i'm looking for ways that he can regress positive sure he's gonna score more than three touchdowns potentially but is he gonna catch 70 plus balls is he gonna have 100 plus targets in this offense i'm not so sure about that Uh, i think that he can step back a little bit but he's for where he's going and we're rattling off what rb8 no thanks
1: Uh, So, Joe, 43 carries inside the 20-yard line for Leonard Fournette. That was 70% of Jacksonville's total. 23 carries inside the 10. That was 77% of Jacksonville's total. He had eight carries. That's it. Only eight carries inside the five-yard line last season. But that was 100% of Jacksonville's carries inside of the five-yard line. So, well, the touchdown should go up, like Meany said. Like, I I just He's one of the most difficult players to figure out because if all of a sudden he has sort of the opposite, and this doesn't always happen, it usually just regresses to a mean. So let's say his mean was seven touchdowns. Well, if he scores four extra touchdowns than last year and everything else is the same, he is going to be worth this draft pick. But what if he scores like 16 touchdowns this year? He could be the number one overall fantasy running back with the volume that he gets. But like I said, he might not even be on Jacksonville by this time come August.
0: Holy shit. Talk about glass half full people with Leonard Fournette. I mean, what's the win total here for the Jaguars this year? Okay. Is the Jaguars offense all of a sudden really good? I understand this is like the polar opposite of the Derrick Henry conversation, right? There's a guy where, yeah, he caught 70 balls last year and he barely scored. So everybody goes, well, obviously he's going to score more touchdowns this year. Really? Is it obvious he's going to score more touchdowns? And also when did I forget that Leonard Fournette was made of glass through college and in the first two years of the NFL and he was hurt all the time. And last year he was healthy and yes, he had a really good year. I want to give him all the credit in the world. I had zero shares with Leonard Fournette. I was wrong to not have some because he was very good. However, the touchdowns are not going to all of a sudden jump to 20. That is not going to happen with Gardner Minshew as quarterback. And this is a team more likely to have the number one overall pick probably than any other team in the NFL going into the season and Leonard Fournette knows his time is done there. So his time is done. They're already looking to move on from him. There are so many negative potential things here with Leonard Fournette that could get messy because he's had other issues with management in the past. I get that he caught the ball a lot last year, but Holy crap. You want to talk about everyone looking at all of the bright side and forgetting all the negative attached to the, not only the Jaguars, but for two Fournette too. I just, it makes my head explode. I don't understand it That.
1: Well, part of the uh, – he's being drafted at the turn right now in 12-team leagues, so he's number 13 player overall inside the top. But where's
0: Dalvin Cook?
1: Right, we're going to get to him in part two of this show. That, that he is uh, When I say that there are two players whose ADPs don't make sense, Dalvin Cook, spoiler alert, is going to be the second after Nick Chubb when we start looking at these things. <sighs> but in terms of Fournette, like – I get a lot of what you're saying. The injury history, the actual commitment to playing football, the rumors about him being lazy—one of the reasons they want to get rid of him. The volume speaks for itself, though, and I—I I don't agree with this win total argument because we can't sit here and say Mixon's going to be good. The Bengals' win total is going to is five and a half, and say that through. Oh, look at the win total for the Jags, which is also five and a half, and say that he's not going to be good.
0: Well, the only point I'm making is win total also is attached to a certain amount about points per game. So in order to win games, you have to score points okay, or have a, just a stunningly good defense, which they don't really have anymore either. So if you are not going to be hyper competitive in games and, uh, and the Bengals, although they lost a ton, were competitive in a lot of games. This is my problem with Jacksonville and Gardner Minshew. You know, God bless him. It was a fun ride while it lasted. But we all saw Gardner Minshew there towards the second half of the year when he came back after falls had that second run there it was, you know, basically the book is out on him. I know he had a really nice finish in week 17 and all, but you know, it's week 17 and everybody's, you know, already got their plane tickets and going home. So I'm not reading much into that too. I think Fournette at the turn, if you're pairing Fournette and Jacobs, that's great. I'm all for that. But again, I'm not taking guys like that over Derek Henry. I'm not taking guys like that over Dalvin cook, even though he's another holdout candidate or Joe Mixon or anybody else for that matter.
1: mini is it too high, too low, or just right for Fournette?
0: I think I think it's slightly high. There's a couple backs
2: that we haven't really gotten into that I, that I like a little bit more. Um, I, if I'm choosing between the two, and honestly, I probably would just rather Jacobs, a little bit younger, more healthier, a little bit fresher. Because if if you talk about Jacobs and the 240 some odd carries that he had, he missed those three games. I mean, he's somebody that flirts with 300 carries. That's top three in the league, so he's getting those kind of those touches. But with Leonard Fournette, I mean, 341 touches, third overall last year. It's just What you said off the top, Pat, is is the issue here that I have is that there's just so many different variables here. There's just, yeah, if you're Jacksonville, why not just feed him the ball and just give him – 300 plus touches again, knowing that you're not going to be linked to this guy in the future. And that's, that's it. It is what it is. You have the four years he's done. We've we've we're cutting our ties, but again, there's just so many question marks with his attitude. Is he going to be motivated to even play? Is he going to be frustrated if he's not getting all those touches? How there's just so many question marks for me that I think he's that it's it's a little bit too early. It's it's a it's a pass, but I I, I mean I wouldn't fault anyone in a full point PPR league knowing that he will touch the ball three hundred times. I just don't really see where the positive regression is really going to come from him. I think what you're talking about earlier when you're paying for a guy and you're 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 baking in the value there, that's what you're paying for. You're basically paying and just hoping that he can duplicate what he did last year, maybe just score a couple more touchdowns and finish as a top ten RB. That will do it
1: on part one of Fantasy Football 2020, Running Back, player-by-player profiles. We're going to try to get to as many as possible, so check out all of the upcoming shows in this series. Remember to smash the like button for the episode if you want to get into the giveaways. And the huge giveaway, 100 DK bucks, five-star review on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. After you subscribe to said audio podcast, DraftKings handle, something you like about the show. want to thank Chris and Joe. I'm Pat Mayo.
0: Call, click com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.